Well, we are officially into the new year here on Moody Presents. I'm John Geiger, and as a reminder from last week, as 2022 brings with it thoughts of new beginnings, it's a great time for a short message series on the life of Jonah, as you and I learn to run toward our calling. We'll get to part two of Pastor Mark Job's message, meant to kind of ring in the new year in just a moment. But first, I want to share one of the really great aspects of student life on the campus of Moody Bible Institute. It's the huge range of music ministry that happens here. Not only the best of today's worship music, but also the best of the hymns that bring us such great theology. And before we enjoy Pastor Mark's message today, let's join the students as they lead us in holy, 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 a fitting way to ascribe honor and glory to the God of all history and the God of 2022, this brand new year.
Here on Moody Presents, we're enjoying the student-led worship on the Moody Bible Institute campus. So, question, how do you feel about storms at sea? (laughs) The Bible character Jonah certainly encountered quite a storm, but you know, you and I do too in our own way. And as we turn to the book of Jonah, we're about to discover how to embrace a storm instead of being terrified. Along the way, we'll grapple with the fact that storms are God's tools to accomplish His purpose in our lives. Here's our teacher, Pastor Mark. His name was Tiger. He was my German shepherd. I loved him. The greatest dog any boy could ever have in his life. He would lick me when I came in. He was cuddly. He would wag his tail. And um, I, I love this dog named Tiger, my friend Tiger. He did have a problem, though. He was deathly afraid of storms. Anytime he heard thunder, he would start to stick out his tongue, breathe heavily, pace around nervously, and look for the exit that he could find. He would run around and get more and more hyper and more and more nervous. It looked like he would hyperventilate, and we couldn't really figure out exactly what happened to him, but we discovered that, well, when he was a little bit younger of a puppy, we had him in a room with bars there. We kept him in a room for a while, and while we were gone, we left the windows open, but the bars were still there. We think some mean-spirited kids found some firecrackers and lit them and threw them in the window at our dog because we found the remains of firecrackers there. We would have taken to dog therapy, but it didn't exist. (laughs) One day, a storm came in, a big storm, and he wasn't in the house, and so he was outside, and because he panicked, and ran, and didn't know where he was going or what he was doing, my father found the remains of our beautiful dog, Tiger, hit by a car. It's a sad story. I've taken a few years to recover from it. But here's here's what came to my mind. Tiger panicked over storms. His demise was that he was terrified of storms. And today I want to talk to you really about how to embrace a storm instead of being terrified over a storm. I don't know, some of you maybe uh, are still afraid of storms when it thunders outside. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, I heard a little, uh, of a little boy, though, that when it was thundering, he called his mom in. He said, Mom, could you come? Please, please come in. So she came down, laid with them, and she said, It's okay. Nothing bad is going to happen. It's just thunder. No one gets hurt. She laid with them for a while, and then she was about to get up and go, and she said, he said, Mom, could you stay with me? She said, Honey, I got to go sleep with Dad. She heard him say when he turned around, That big baby. We're in Jonah. A big part of the Jonah story is a storm. And, you know, the more I've been thinking about Jonah and reading through Jonah, yeah, it is a story about a man with a call and a city that needs God. 
But there's much more to the story of Jonah. When I, it just struck me as I was reading it yesterday, going over the narrative, it struck me. Jonah is about a person with a strong calling, but it's as much about a person with a strong calling and mega issues in his life than it is about a city that needs God. Jonah's a story about a man that has a call. He's definitely, clearly called by God. But as the story of Jonah unfolds in these four chapters, we realize that this man with a call has some major issues in his life that can hinder his call, prevent his call, yet God still works with the man with the call with issues. And I thought, wow, doesn't that describe most of us? I believe that probably... Most people in this room have a strong sense of calling on their life, but I would also venture to say that most people in this room, like myself, has major issues in their life that battle with the call that they have. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about how God uses storms to deal with our issues and to reroute our calling. I'm going to begin in verse 4 of Jonah chapter 1. It says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. If you're taking notes, write this down. Storms are often God's tool to accomplish His purpose in our lives. More to explore in the life of Jonah when we return to today's message on Moody Presents. Right now, though, here's a question for you. If you could give yourself 10 minutes each morning to start your day, what would you do? We would definitely suggest spending time with God. And along those lines, we have some very helpful resources for you at 50% off. That's right, a 50% discount by signing up to become a monthly partner here on Moody Presents. 50% off everything from Moody Publishers. It's our thank you gift to everyone who supports us here at MoodyPresents.org. That's MoodyPresents.org. Just click the Donate Now button at our website, and you'll enjoy that 50% discount on an ongoing basis. Now, let's transition back to today's lessons from the life of Jonah. And here's our teacher, Mark Job. I want you to notice what it says in verse 4. It says, The Lord hurled the wind. Now, we love to sing about how Jesus calms the storm. And there's all kinds of hymns about how Jesus is the one that walks upon the storm or calms the storm. But I don't know if I can think of one hymn that talks about Jesus being the initiator of the storm. About Jesus being the one that starts the storm. About being the one that that originates the storm, the one that leads us into the storm, the one that says, come on, I'm going to create a storm in your life because I have a purpose and a plan in the middle of the storm. We love to sing about Jesus calmed the storm, but in this passage, I see clearly that it says, and the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Now, as we talked about last week, you know that The word of the Lord came to Jonah, and he could respond how he wanted to to the word of the Lord, and he decided to run. 
His running led him to try to go to the furthest place on the earth that he could go, which was Tarshish. He jumped into a boat that was going in that direction. While he was on his way running from God, God hurls a storm in his direction. I want you to remember this, that running is always the easiest solution to every problem. It brings immediate relief, but it compounds the intensity of our issues. Jonah immediately when he ran felt relief that he didn't have to go do something that he didn't want to do. Immediately he felt the relief of feeling like, okay, I'm, I don't have to do the hard thing. My discovery is that many of us, including my own life, at times I feel like it's easier to run. And running, like I sat down with couples that are going through marital difficulty, and I'll sit down with a guy that tells me, hey, I've thought about this a lot, I've wrestled through this a lot, I feel like I should get a divorce. Well, why do you feel that way? Well, I don't have peace. I'm in turmoil. I don't want to live fighting all the rest of my life. And so in his mind, he thinks that to get out of something difficult will bring immediate relief. And it does temporarily. But seldom when I'm in my counseling session and I say, you know what? I want you to look to the storm. I want you to go to the hard places. Their mind is set. I want relief I, I, I want immediately a sense of feeling good about myself right now, and running is always the easiest way to go. Just because it feels good immediately, by the way, doesn't mean it's the will of God. And I've had people tell me that. I've, had, I've sat down with people telling me why it's God's will for them to go and run off with their secretary while they're a married person. Because it brings out the best in them. They're happy. They're creative. They've never felt this happy in all their life. It feels like finally they're entering into their fulfillment in life because relief in their mind equals the will of God. And so I want you to notice in, in Jonah's mind, he's running, uh, but he's only postponing, compounding the intensity of his issues. Why is he running from God? Because Jonah's a man with issues. It'll surface in this passage that he's very egocentric. He's bigoted, biased. He's got anger issues. He's fixated on little things that God doesn't care about, and he doesn't care about the big things that God really does care about. Here's a man with a calling on his life, a profound, deep, irrevocable, undeniable calling, but hey, this guy's got issues in his life. I hope it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. What I love about our God is that he's not afraid to call people with issues. That doesn't mean it excuses us from not dealing with our issues. It just means that God calls people with issues, and in the process of our calling, he starts to deal with those issues. It tells us that he's in a boat. God sends, God sends the storm, a mighty tempest, so that the ship threatened to break. This isn't a little Lake Michigan, the waves are churning a little bit. This is a tempest, a storm that makes it feel like this boat is going to fall apart. These were seasoned sailors. They weren't afraid of a little tempest. They were scared. 
They were threatened. They were professionals. They sensed that their life was in danger. This was a mega storm. And I want you also to know, this is just a side note, not a major point here, but I want you to note that Jonah's running from God initiated a storm that affected the people around him as well. And I want to just remind you that if you're running from God, if you're wrestling, God may initiate a storm. You may, you may be the initiator of your own storm in your life, but you will never go through a storm alone. You affect the people around you as well. Our storms are a vortex that affect a bunch of other people in our life as well. These sailors were more than likely Phoenician sailors. They were pagans who worshipped many gods. And in crisis, each man prayed to his own God. Number two, write this down. Storms serve as a divine wake-up call to begin to hear his voice again. Notice what it tells us what Jonah was doing in the middle of the storm. It says, but Jonah... The sailors are panicked, scared for their lives, praying to their gods, working to try to keep this boat afloat. I mean, they were in major panic mode. And I want you to notice what Jonah was doing. It said, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Now, that's some serious sleeping. But there are some people that have some that can really sleep. How about it? Like try to wake them up, nothing bothers them. You turn on the light, they don't wake up. You turn on music, they don't wake up. I mean, you could have a party in the room and they sleep through the whole thing. They just do not wake up. But that is unusual. And I want to tell you that Jonah, the kind of sleep that Jonah is engaged in is not a nap. This is an unusual sleep. And Maybe we could chalk it up to uh, exhaustion uh, because he, had, he was running. But I, I think that there's more at stake here. This is not a normal sleep. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he's exhausted. But, or maybe he's showing the symptoms of a lot of people that run from God and run from their calling. Because running from God and running from our calling is exhausting. It's draining spiritually, emotionally, and a lot of levels in our life. To run from what we know God has called us to is extremely exhausting. And what I've discovered in my own life as I look at other people around me that are running really from their call, that are running from where they know they need to be, there tends to be a sense of disengagement, a lot of daydreaming, excessive sleeping, Mental exhaustion, running to time wasters, addictive habits, ongoing urge to isolate, trying to escape reality. Uh, Here's what I've discovered about people that are really running from their calling is that when we are running from God, we try to avoid spiritual reality, so we shut out anything that reminds us of our condition. We don't, want, we don't want to wake up. If you know that you're walking in a sense of disobedience, if you know that you have issues that God is trying to force you to deal with, issues that God is saying to you, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff in your life, and you refuse to go there, you avoid it, you want to run from it, 
The way that we cope with it oftentimes is that we try to distract our mind because we don't want to think when we're fully awake and fully alive and fully present, we have to deal with reality. So we escape reality. And if you find yourself right now escaping reality, so you're obsessive about video games on your floor, if you're consumed and you just binge on some sort of, uh, you know, 40 episodes of I Love Lucy. (laughs) You're isolating. You're keeping your mind off things. You sleep all the time. You daydream a lot. Your mind is always about fantasizing about another place rather than here. Uh, Thinking about other places, other things, and You're not really fully present here. You're not, maybe your body is here, but you're not really present emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You're not present. It very well could indicate that you're living a sort of escapism, that there are issues in your life that God is challenging you to deal with pointing to, saying, you need to deal with this, but it's a lot easier to escape emotionally, mentally, to try to go down to the cellar of the ship and sleep while everybody else is engaged because, really, it's a form of escapism not to deal with the issues that God really wants us to deal with. And so, it's interesting to me In this passage, how God works. I love the story of Jonah because it's riddled with interesting insights about calling and how God works. And so it tells us in verse 6, so the captain came. Don't you love the fact that God uses a diehard pagan to call Jonah to do what he should be doing, calling out to God? God is not limited how he can speak to you. Now, he chooses to speak to us through his word, through his inspired, divine, and errant authority. But, hey, God will get our attention however he has to get our attention. And in this case, he uses the voice of a pagan. He uses someone that's far from God that's saying, hey, get up. Wake up. Go call to your God. Uh, Not only does he use the voice of a pagan to... Uh, speak a prophetic message into Jonah. And by the way, God can use anywhere, anyone. He can use a donkey. He can use a pagan. He can use your mother-in-law. He can use anybody. I mean, God is not limited as to how he works. He can use your roommate. Hello. It tells us that the next thing that happens is is not only does he use a pagan to tell Jonah what he needs to do, get out of your sleep, go up and call to your God. Well, yes, hello, that's what you should be doing. Secondly, they cast lots in a pagan form, and I, knew they, I know they did it in the New Testament to choose the apostles, but, you know, we have a different form. We call it to God, ask for discernment. This was a pagan practice, and so they cast lots, and God uses a pagan practice to point out Jonah, that, yeah, it is Jonah, fault, and I find it interesting that some pagans get together and invoke their gods in a pagan practice, and God says, okay, I'm going to indulge them and point to Jonah through their pagan practice. Interesting, right? And then not only does he use a pagan to wake him up and tell him to call into her God and use a pagan practice to point out that it's Jonah. By the way, don't try to use this as an excuse to 
try to find your calling, cast lots and pick sticks just because Jonah did it. This was a pagan practice, by the way. And then he goes on to say that, that not only did it fall on him, but look, notice, it tells us that it was pagan people that pointed out his failure in his calling. They said in verse 8, they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. It's pagans that are calling him out in the midst of a storm. And what does this speak to? I think it speaks to the sovereignty of God. Isn't that an interesting thought? And unfortunately, that's exactly where we need to halt today's message on Moody Presents. Boy, I hate stopping sometimes, don't you? But we're going to get right back to this tension-filled scene next week, along with some lessons that you and I can take away from this very critical passage. What a story. Have you ever thought about becoming a Moody Presents partner? Have you thought about not just benefiting from this Bible teaching, but blessing those who make it possible? Well, that's what Moody Presents partners do with their monthly gifts. And we'd love for you to become a Moody Presents partner. You can give at whatever level works for you. Sign up online right now at our secure website, moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Think of it early in 2022. You're doing the right thing by becoming a monthly partner. Thank you. And again, you can learn more at moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger, really looking forward to next week's broadcast. I hope you'll join us then for Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.